0: Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.
1: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. Welcome to The Theatre Podcast, intimate personal conversations with theater's biggest talents. I'm your host, Alan Seals. Our guest today has appeared on Broadway in Evita, Teddy and Alice, Sunday in the Park with George, Betty, Anything Goes, Triumph of Love, 2004's Fiddler on the Roof, Memphis, and even as Cinderella was the title character in the first national tour of The Drowsy Chaperone. She's won an OB. She's been Tony nominated for her role in Urinetown, I'm trying to figure, I'm like, it's too long and I'm trying to cut shit yeah, in know. my head. I know, I know. You've done too many things. I know. You've done way too many things. I'm
0: getting ready to do my 15th Broadway show.
1: Nancy Opel. Hi. Hi.
0: <laughs> I, think,
1: I think that's our intro. Hi,
0: sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, sweetie. It's the best you can do. Come on. It's late.
1: This Listen, uh, there's a lot of words. You've got a huge bio. How are you doing? I'm
0: great. <laughs> doing way better than you right now. Because hey. <laughs> I remember what I did. Well, mostly anyway.
1: You were telling me you don't remember the other day.
0: Well, you know what? I don't remember the other day, but but I do remember a lot of stupid stuff that I've done.
1: Okay. Well, I hope you remember my the answer to my first question. i okay. want to start at the very origin of Nancy. What is Nancy? Where did you grow up? What is your background?
0: Kansas City. Yeah, I grew up in Kansas City. So, you know, and also I grew up <laughs> pre-internet, so I knew absolutely nothing, which in a way I think is kind of freeing and makes you bold. You know, because you really don't know what's going on in the rest of the world. And I just I just wanted to be a teacher, really, when I was little. I wanted to teach school. And I kind of think maybe it was because the teacher stood in front of the class and everybody had to be quiet while she talked. I don't know. But I think it wasn't really till high school that I kind of started doing plays. But I still didn't think of it like it was going to be my career. What um, did you want to teach? Uh, probably, Probably grade school somewhere. Because I loved all of my grade school teachers,
1: but you wanted to be uh, up up on the school the school well mom stage. yeah
0: you know what I, as I say you know like we we grow as 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 we get older and and I kind of went hmm is it possible that I could that I could be an actor for a living I mean it really truly didn't even occur to me I thought there were movie stars and that was it I just didn't I didn't think of anything else and so it was really not until high school that I sort of thought you know what maybe I can kind of like pursue this professionally? I don't know. Um, And maybe I was probably junior in high school when I thought, do I need to go to like drama school or something? I mean, I was kind of slow, shall we say. (laughs) Because, you know, kids now, I mean, you can watch a YouTube of any of your favorite you know, musical theater people or whatever. You know, I was still stuck with vinyl and listening to the records of like going, I want to be in a Stephen Sondheim show. You know, you listen to your little vinyl records, mm-hmm. you know, before
1: you go to sleep. Well, how did you how did you know about musical theater? Were your was your family involved or your no. friends or anything?
0: No, my dad had a welding business. <laughs> so we weren't we weren't exactly in the arts. Right. No, I'm not exactly in the arts, but but um you know, I sort of fell in with the theater crowd in high school. Everybody's got a theater crowd, yep. you know, and and I did. You know, I did um, chorus. You know, I love to sing, so I did chorus and and sang in the in the choir every year. Um, started doing shows my sophomore year because I didn't make the junior varsity cheerleading squad, and I thought, oh, I'll audition for the play. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh yeah, so that's kind of the start of it. And do you remember
1: and s- what what the first play was?
0: <sighs> yes, I do, and I can't actually believe I'm telling you this. It was a play called The Great Sebastians.
1: What was that about?
0: It was about it was about these people, like a, a husband and wife team that pretended to be mentalists. You know, like like you would say he would he would like be somewhere and he would say, tell me quickly, you know, and she'd say key because they had like words that they would, that they would. So they uh, were con
1: artists. Yes. More or less.
0: Yes. It was a play about con artists.
1: (laughs) Wonderful. And And I
0: believe there was some sort of, some sort of subplot uh, that had to do with politics, but I don't remember that very well.
1: All right. So then. uh, I remember
0: an itchy blue net dress. That's what I remember. Wonderful.
1: And then uh, got into Juilliard. Yeah. How did, how did that process go?
0: Well, um, it, I have to really be honest when I say I made no plans for my career. Other people told me what to do. My friend, who is a great actor here in town, um, who I don't see enough of, his name is Henry Stram. And Henry um, and I went to high school together. And he would just say stuff like, you know, you really should audition for the play. You really should audition for the musical. You really should audition for Juilliard. You know, he was one of those people. It was just like, he knew what was going on. And he would just say, you should go do this thing. And I would go, okay. And I would go try to do the thing. And luckily for me, it worked out. So that's, that's. how I mean, I didn't even know about Juilliard until he told me about it.
1: What was your audition? What did you do?
0: Um, I did a piece from, I think it was called The Storm by Ostrovsky. And the other thing was, can't remember the name of it. It was by Farquhar and it was a restoration comedy thing.
1: Hmm. So you were saying originally um, that... You know, kids back in the day didn't have didn't have the YouTube's in the internet. There was nothing. And, to, there was
0: nothing to look at. So, you had to go to the you had to go to the like the library or something to right. find something. So
1: then, you've been you've been performing now for many decades. Um, a, a wonderful career so far. Uh, what are the what are some of the most significant changes that you've seen shift in the in the industry?
0: Um. Let's see. Shall, let's start let's start at optimistic and then we'll move our, move right into <laughs> pessimism shall we okay well when i first started um you know those were the days um where everybody i mean everyone was kind of more naive really you know um i remember i remember going to to an audition for evita which was my first broadway show and I don't even know. I mean, it was so crazy. I just like, I don't even know how I got on this stage because they used to do auditions on the stages of theaters back then. And I was on the stage of the Schubert Theater with the chorus line mirrors behind me, Mm -hmm. the white line there. And I'm standing on it going, holy smokes. (laughs) I mean, it was just like that in and of itself was like, I've made it. Do You know, you're
1: auditioning on the stage. Yeah,
0: I got, I'm auditioning on the stage of a Broadway show, and I remember going, and it's like I was. Al- it was almost time for me to sing, and I was. Go- I went over to the side, and we were kind of in a little, like, in a little office over on the side of the Schubert Theater, and there were some people sitting in there. And Mandy Patinkin walked in, and he goes, "Hey, I'm looking for Hal Prince," and he looked at someone who is was an assistant of an assistant. And he goes, "Hey, are you Hal Prince?" And we were all like. Psst. You know, because we're going like, you mean he's how prince? <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's like twenty three. <laughs> anyway, it was pretty cute. Um, but, but like I said, I mean, it was just kind of like a different. It was like a different thing. People, people who were singers um, did the singing track, and people who were dancers did the dancing track, and sort of never the twain shall meet. You had a singing chorus and a dancing chorus because there were lots of people in shows back then. That's a major thing that's changed. There are half the amount of people in shows now, and they were supposed to be big shows. You know, you look and you say, wow, there's 26 people on that stage. And my first show had 45. Wow. It's a huge difference. Um, The first show I was in, top ticket was $35. Wow. And Cats... When it opened, went up to fifty, and we all just about dropped dead. And we said, "Who's going to pay that?"
1: Lots of people did, right?
0: Um, so it's stuff like that, you know. I mean, there were there were there were big changes in 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 that way, um, and also there were um, the people who were producing shows. They were the gentleman producers back in the day. Do you know what I mean? They were like. Um, the Schubert's, it was like two guys, you know, those kind of, those kind of people sort of knew the people in their shows, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like Jerry Schoenfeld, Jerry Schoenfeld would stop by the theater. He didn't, he wasn't a producer on, um, on Evita, but he was on Sunday the Park with George, which was my next show. Um, and so he would like come in, you know, every so often and come and visit and say, how are you doing? You know? I'm responsible for the fact that there is a shower in the booth theater. I mean, I don't know if it's still there, but they put one in (laughs) (laughs) because we were doing a musical and there, and it was never used as a musical house before. And I had to go like, Hey, I'm the deputy. We need to put a shower in. And they totally did. But those were the gentlemen producers who knew the people in the shows and actually seemed to care about the people in the shows. And, and I think that's a major change that it, it, because of how much money it costs to produce a show, there are just so many producers now. I mean, you see them, like giant gangs of producers, mm-hmm. you know, get up on stages to to accept Tony Awards because that's just the way it is now. Right. You know? And so I think that you kind of lose that sort of connection of like, I know you're not really like my friend, friend necessarily, but- you know, we are compatriots and we care about the same things. And it's, and you don't feel you're so bottom lined as sometimes you feel these days, you
1: Hmm. know? Right. And is, so is that still on the optimistic end of the scale?
0: Um, no, no, I, I would say that's the part of it that is, is difficult. You know, that's the part of it that if I were just starting out, I think I might find that, um, a little sad. Of course, if you don't know any better, then maybe it doesn't make that much difference. You know, maybe, you know, ignorance is bliss. Right. Um, But I, I notice it, you know, Um, there are always lead producers on things and you feel like you, you know them, but you know, it's just, it's just, everything is really so much more about money than it felt like back then. You know, for example, going back to Sunday in the Park with George, I think they knew that they would never really make any money on that show. But they did it for the art. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing that's sort of changed. I don't know how many Broadway shows get produced because they go, oh my gosh, this is gonna be an artistic triumph and we'll probably never make a dime. I just don't think that I just don't think that's in the equation anymore.
1: Well, you can't make a living if you're constantly losing money, yeah, I guess. Well,
0: no, you can't.
1: So then out of, throughout all of that, what's what's remained, or I guess maybe what has even evolved that you love still about this? Okay.
0: What has evolved? is how how freaking talented people are now. Not that people weren't talented when I started, but now because there's only 25 people in a show, guess who's dancing and singing? One person is doing the dancing and the singing, and they're doing it darned well, too. You know, that's the thing. I mean, I think the training has... Because of that, it has evolved the training to a place where we never were, you know. It was rare to see someone who was a really amazing dancer and an amazing singer. And nowadays, everybody in a show is. You have to be. Everybody. And be- know
1: four different tracks.
0: Everybody, you know. I mean, they're just so good.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They're just so good. I, I did Memphis for like a year and a half. And I um, replaced Cass Morgan. and And when I first went to see the show— I went, oh this is amazing. They're so good. And then when I went back and really started to study the show because I had to watch it to learn it, I went, these people are killers because they they were not just like sort of good musical theater dancers. They were amazing. They were just amazing. You know, there was this one guy, like Darius Barnes, would just like do an aerial. I mean, it was just like this. Boom, do an aerial land and then like plant and do like eight pirouettes. And it was just like, (laughs) do you know, he would just plant and he would just get slower and slower and slower and slower and slower and slower. slower. Stop for for the next phrase. And you just watch that and you go, and I would watch it every night. I'd go to the side to watch those guys do their tricks that basically no one looked at because they were in the back. I mean, there were people who could see it. But they did it for fun. And that's that's the stuff that I that I I think. Look at look at the people that that are are sort of being created by this by this climate. And, and that's the amazing thing.
1: Do you think uh, any of that has to do with with the the current rise of social media and, and how I guess people everybody seems to be competing with each other online? And I think at a young age before the professional I guess I get your thoughts on this. Before the professional side kicks in, do you think they're always trying to one-up each other on an amateur level that kicks them into a professional level a little bit deeper?
0: I think it is more about what you have to be to be marketable. And it and that's more about what the market requires than what social media requires. Um, I think that social media kind of goes... Goes along with the whole deal because it's just that everybody does it, and you go like, "Oh well, so and so has you know thirty thousand followers. Maybe I should have thirty thousand followers too." Um, but you know that's a, but that's a whole that's a whole other sort of set of skills that that people are working on. They're they're becoming their own press agents, you know, because they can now, you know, because they can, mm-hmm. um, and they have platforms for it, so they can be their own press agents. Um, but it's kind of like a semi-full-time job too. And I really am not certain that that there's a, a definite sort of correlation. I think the only way you would say there might be a correlation is insofar as what casting directors are looking for, now that's a different thing because casting people may say, hey, Here's girl A, here's girl B. They're both awesome. They've both done three Broadway shows and a tour. This girl has 50,000 Instagram followers. This girl has 3,000. Yep. This girl A is going to get it.
1: Really? You think that has an influence? Absolutely. Wow.
0: Absolutely. Now, you know, when you get to be my age, we old crones, if we've lasted this long... Mm-hmm they don't care about that i don't think <laughs> i really don't think i mean it's just like, like i'm still here you know you just like go i'm uh, yeah i'm still alive yeah i'm still in show business and it, you know you just do what you do cuz mm-hmm. cuz i've done it a long time like you said right. but young people i actually think if all things are equal they will probably go with the person who's got um following on social media
1: wow yeah, it didn't even occur to me. Well,
0: it should because I actually think it's a big deal, and in fact, I think it's even a bigger deal in TV and film.
1: Yeah, that I can see. Yeah, yeah. Well, bringing it back to you.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, now you do a lot of coaching. Yeah. You can tell me about that.
0: Sure. Um, I love I love to coach, and mostly what I end up doing really is coaching people for auditions. So. Um, if someone gets some music and, um, a few scenes to read for an audition, it would behoove them to come and speak to me about it because a lot of people, um, people are getting a little more savvy about it, but a lot of people only spend, you know, like they'll, they'll work and work and work on notes. You know they'll work and work and work and they'll go like I want to make sure that that no this you know but then they kind of like don't pay too much attention to to um their lines to the to the sides um which I think is a mistake because I actually think that's kind of the secret weapon
1: oh yeah if you can act your way
0: well it's 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 really important and a lot of people kind of don't Spend the time they need to spend. They sort of think the muse is gonna come down and hit them on the head when they walk in and you know they're gonna just get some kind of inspiration, you know, in the moment and they'll and they'll be able to come up with something. And I feel like what I do well is help someone create a roadmap through the through the scenes. So you're sort of like hitting landmarks as you go. So you hit your you hit your beats, you know, you mm-hmm. go like boom, 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 boom. I'm done and I did it, you know, I got where I needed to go. Because you can't just start and take a deep breath and go, let's hope the best. <laughs> it just doesn't work out very well. So I, I think that's probably what I do best. And also I encourage people to, to choose boldly what they're going to do. Um, because an awful lot of folks say, oh, but but if I make a really bold choice, you know, if it's wrong, then, you know, they're not going to think I'm right for the part and whatever. I said, listen, here's the problem. In the first five seconds, you walk in that room. If you're wrong for it, they know already. It doesn't matter what you say. Mm-hmm. They're going to know if you're wrong for it. Just how right can you be? Do you know? Right. I mean, how right can you be? And you, you can't worry about you're too tall, you're too short, you're too fat, you're too old. Forget it. If you got in the room, you got to do what you got to do. And it you're trying to be sort of neutral does not help you. Neutral means it neutralizes their interest in you. They're not going to care. Mm-hmm. So it, I always equate it with um, like going into an all white room with a white bucket of paint and a brush and very neatly repainting the room white. You go like, wow. You get neatness points, very nice. thank you. Thank you. because that's what a that's what a lot of people do. They do kind of a really, really competent routine and leave the room. Whereas I honestly think what people are looking for who are casting, they want to splash, even if you kind of screw up some parts. just like I want to see like real crazy you humanity. Sort of out there so we can really see what you can do. And if it's not perfect, that's fine because it's an audition. You have a paper in your hand, you know, because when you try to be perfect and you do sort of this level thing of like, I've just done this perfectly. You've not shown them anything other than, you know, um, you color inside the lines.
1: Mm-hmm. So I'm going to quote you here. I found this quote online. You say, I try to teach my students to get out of their heads and into their instincts back to that spark that started them out in the first place. Yeah,
0: that's really true. Because little kids, if you say to a little kid, you know, be a leopard, be a lion, be a rhinoceros, be a T-Rex. You know, a kid doesn't have to go like, what's my motivation? I don't know if I can be a T-Rex. Because you get up here, you know, you, we've all been in school a long time and, you know, we all go to school where it says like, I take the SATs and all that stuff and I'm going to do my work and I'm going to, and I'm going to be careful with my work. And, you know, it just, it doesn't work so well when you try to do that with, with, with your acting, you know, you got to just go like, all right, what do you come up with? What do you come up with just like in the spur of the moment? Do you have a feeling for it? And if you don't, it's probably because you just had it sort of bred out of you, you know, and you got to get back to that and go like, well, what do I feel like automatically about this? What is like me? Is there anything about this character that's like me? And you go, okay, that is. And then you don't try to homogenize it over and over again. You know, that's that's really the problem. People just kind of get to the place. They go like, oh, I'm afraid they want me to be this. And you go like, what do you want to be? Just you try to be it. You know, now it's true. Nobody's going to probably want to see you, um, reinvent, um, uh, in Oklahoma necessarily, you know, not completely, although it's being reinvented right now on Broadway, um, or off Broadway. Um, but the the key really is to get back to the idea of sort of getting out of your ego and wondering what people think of you. um, And it's really, really hard to stay on your side of the table and not try to sit with the people watching you at the same time and try to figure out if you're, if you're doing well with them, you know, Um, because that's where it all goes wrong is when you're feeling like you're kind of split, you know, it's 2 you've got half your mind over there going, is this going over well? You know, which is why I always say, do not look at anyone in that room. I don't care if they've got the biggest smiles in the world. You're going to turn it into something else because we're all crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going kind to of turn it into like, he was smiling at me, but I think he was stifling a yawn. You know, it's just stupid crap like that you think in your head. Um, that honestly, it's just better if you just go, I am living inside my sort of very safe glass bubble. And I'm going to do all of my stuff in here. And I'm going to do my lines for everybody. Now, this is not the way you do a show, but it is the way you do an audition because it's not safe to just sort of like, hey, everybody, I'm just hanging out with you. And let's, what are you thinking? Very rarely do you feel like there's a room that feels safe to do that. And I really mean that. You just go, because we're all paranoid and crazy, you know, we're just crazy. And so you, you see something and you go, oh my God, they hate me. Oh my god, they hate me. Or the wor- even worse, oh my god, they love me. <laughs> That's the bad one. And you go like, yeah, nailed it. Don't hear another word. You know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, do you teach your students to approach scripts, uh, I guess, in their own way, or do you, do you give them uh, sort of guidance based on how you feel it should go, or do you help them to kind of discover their own? Thing? I
0: totally, I totally give them guidance on how I think it should go, especially with comedy. I go, y'all. You gotta serve the hors d'oeuvres. Those are your jokes. You've got to serve them. You can't like put the tray out and stick your fingers in the deviled eggs. <laughs> no, it's true, because there are people who just get sloppy with comedy, and comedy, for the most part, can't be sloppy, you know? Normally, if you're in, going in for like a play or, or, or I mean, if you're going in for improv, it's a different thing. But if you're going in for a play or you're going in for a musical, even especially with a musical, because you have so much less dialogue to deal with. So you have to sort of be be precise about the choices that you make. But, you know, I will say sometimes I go, hey, y'all, that's the joke. That right there, that was the joke. You missed it. That was the joke. And And I imagine they're going to want you... To recognize that that's the joke, because then they'll think you're funny,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll get the joke. They'll
0: think you're funny if you at least recognize it, you know. Because right. it is. all, I mean, I think that's the reason why I did so many David Ives plays, because he is all musical. His plays are all about music and timing. And well, my my first show with him was all on the timing, and it's absolutely true. It was all about timing because that's how he worked, you know. So. So really all, really all comedy is, is timing, you know? And sometimes people just need a little, you know, be taken by the hand a little bit and say like, no, 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 no. I mean like this, <laughs> <laughs> you know, go like, mm, I'm, like this.
1: Are there other people that come in and you're just, and you're like, I just don't think you're ever going to get this.
0: I will never tell them that. And they always get better. Because sometimes they just don't see it. They just they, they went. Oh, oh my gosh! Yes, of course. And you know, sometimes someone needs license to to go ahead and do that. I go. You you can be more bold. Go ahead and be more bold. You know, like I've I've. Well, sometimes it helps if you've seen a show already, and they're and they're doing like um, uh, replacements. Because then you you really do know. You're not flying blind on that. You go like, listen, this show, you need to be, you, you, this is very big, stylistically very big. So you've got to pump up the volume a little bit.
1: Yeah. I guess, is that something that you focus on too, is filling shoes versus originating roles? Like there's a difference in how you approach the character.
0: Um, if, if a show's already running, um for the most part it's probably best not to try to reinvent anything. If you kind of know the template that's working, you go like, can I can I fit into that template? And if you have any brains, <laughs> you try to do that. I mean, unless you get some idea that someone says, "You know what? They're really looking for something completely different." But you usually find that out from a manager or an agent or something, you know. You don't just sort of like go, "You know what? I really think you should rewrite some of these lines." <laughs> You're just not, you're not going to get anywhere with Hamilton. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) Hey, you know, I really think that this would be better if you did this, you know? Okay. See ya. Um, but I've done both. I mean, I've originated stuff, which is a blast. Um, and I've replaced, which is also fun, but a different thing. It's, it's a different thing. And you, and it's smartest, honestly, if you park your ego by the door on a replacement, because you're not reinventing the wheel.
1: Yeah. Walk me through a a standard day in the life of Nancy Owen. Oh, my
0: gosh. I don't have any standard days. I really don't. They're not standard. I mean, I might, I might do, well, it depends on the season. Because if it's a busy season, I could be coaching a lot during a week, you know. And a lot for me, if I'm doing a show, would be like seven or eight coachings in a week which doesn't sound like that much, but if you're doing a show at night and you've got that Wednesday matinee, a lot of times it it's plenty, mm-hmm. you know, um, also depends on how hard of a sing it is for me. Like you're in town is a different, a different sing than, you know, some things like, well, well, I've been a beautiful before. And that's, that's a non-singing role. So you don't have to really worry about that. You know, <laughs> you just have to go, oy vey, Carol, don't be a writer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I guess that's uh yeah, it's a, a conservation of energy more or less. Yeah, a-
0: absolutely. So, you know, I do some of that. Um, I don't really audition that much anymore, but once again, that's because, you know, I'm still around and they go, is that Nancy Opel still alive?
1: <laughs> let's just throw, let's let's, throw her this way. Let's call her, yeah.
0: let's call her and see if she's interested in this. I mean, I do, I do on occasion, you know, still audition for stuff. I, I have auditioned for things recently. Um, And I don't mind it. It's not my favorite thing to do, but I've gotten better at it. Honestly, kind of better at it because I have sort of, I've sort of dissected it for other people. So then it becomes a little more clear for me how I need to do it because it was very important to learn that thing about, you know what? Try as hard as you can. Don't give yourself an out. A lot of people do because if you try as hard as you can and you still don't get cast, you have to face the inevitable question, am I any good? Mm-hmm. And that's the question that a lot of people do not want to ask themselves. You know, they just don't want to ask themselves. And, and it's because it's 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 more existential than am I right
1: for this part? It's your whole career it's every, in some it's, cases, everything. Yeah.
0: it's everything. It's everything. It's everything. So I will say to people, do not get stuck in the trap of walking out of an audition and saying, oh, but I was tired. I was hungover. I was sick. I didn't have time to work on it. I was blah, 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 blah. You can think of a million reasons why, you know, you didn't do what you feel like you could do. The way you want to walk out of an audition is I did the very best I could do today, whatever that is, whatever it is. You know what? I nailed it the best I could nail it today. And then you can walk out and feel good about yourself. And whether you get it or not, you go like, that's up to you guys. If you want to use me, awesome. And if you don't, I still feel good about myself. And I don't walk out going like, oh, I wish I really would have. <laughs> but that's, that's kind of the coward's way out and kind of an easy way out. Cause you can go like, oh yeah, well, I was tired, you know, or I felt sad or I, you know, or it was raining and, you know, and I feel like I was getting a sore throat.
1: You're going to have to do shows feeling all of that. All of those things.
0: Yeah. All of those things. If you
1: get cast, it, yes.
0: Uh, all of those things. And I think that disappointing yourself in that way is sort of less terrifying than the existential thing of like, wow, maybe I just freaking suck. You know, because people do get there. You know, they get to the place where they go like, whoa, I really did do the best I could and I still didn't get it. And you have to be okay with that. That's the that's the part where you're a grown-up. Mm-hmm. When you go like, I nailed it, didn't get it, but that was a really good audition. I've had lots of them like that.
1: Well, the whole business is rejection.
0: You know, and I've had some that were like, oh God, was I bad. <laughs> didn't try to be, you know. I mean, thought I was doing everything I could, but man alive, I've had some that were real howlers.
1: Wow. So you live in Midtown here. I
0: do, right here. We
1: are, yeah. We're in your living room right yeah. now, recording this wonderfully. Um, and you live here with uh, your daughter doesn't live here anymore.
0: No, she's no, she has she's flown the nest, my friend. So it's me and the poodle and the cat.
1: <laughs> the poodle, both both very cute. And I was petting the cat a yeah, second ago. No,
0: I know, but but he gets nosy and bothers you while you while Whoa, you work,
1: Pete. Uh, and then. What else do you do? You're a wonderful cook. I think last time I was here, you made me a uh, pheasant. Was it a cooked? No, 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 a pheasant?
0: no. Uh, no pheasant. I don't do pheasant. I do duck.
1: Was it duck is the my thing. Tiny little duck.
0: Listen, ducks are great.
1: It was wonderful. Whatever well, he, it
0: was, duck is a great <laughs> duck. I don't know why I'm giving. I'm I'm giving dating advice to anyone. However, to some, <laughs> of, to some of your listeners, <laughs> listen. Learn how to learn how to roast a duck. I'm telling you, I'm telling you what, what a great date meal. And it's so easy to make. And people think you're like a genius. Seriously.
1: Well, I, I literally wrote great cook here in my notes. Because
0: of my genius duck. Right. Which is really easy to make.
1: Okay. Well, now you spoiled it for me. Well. Movie magic. Hey, there's the cat.
0: Yeah. Hi.
1: Um, You're also fluent in Mandarin, right? I'm not fluent. No? No. My daughter is. I'm not fluent. Cat, stop playing with the (laughs) screwdriver. (laughs)
0: Cat. No, I'm not fluent, but I do study. I, I plod along. I try real hard. I plod along at it. I actually, I actually, um, at some point, if someone lets me, um, retire, I will, um, go back to, um, uh, go back to China and, and, and sit down and study for a while. I went a couple of years ago and studied and studied for a month, which I thought was amazing. And I would love to go back, you know for an extended period of time, because at this point, you know, it's so hard when you're sitting in your living room trying to learn a foreign language. You know, I mean, I have a teacher who comes to my house and we, and we, and we practice and, you know, and I can kind of read and write. I mean, like I could, you know, I could write, please help me. (laughs) (laughs) Please help me. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm locked in a, in a, in a, in a jail or something like that. You know, I could, I totally, I can do that. And I could write it down, um, but um, I, I probably couldn't have like you know, existential or political discussions with anyone. Um, and you know, there are things that just kind of that kind of get to you with with Mandarin. But Mandarin is a fascinatingly loosey goosey kind of a language. <laughs> it really is.
1: I know nothing about it.
0: Well, it real, but it really is. It's kind of it's it's kind of a little bit. On, on the loose side, um, at least um, like kind of grammar wise, it is kind of loose because there really aren't any tenses oh, in, interesting. in Chinese. It's fascinating because I'll tell you what, it, I think that all cultures really are kind of, are kind of based on, on, on the language that they speak in terms of how they, like, see the world. It's not just like, "Oh, well, I speak French." So I go around speaking french. It, it's It's something different than that. It's really about it's really about the structure of the language, and I think that, hmm. that And the fact that that Chinese doesn't really have tenses makes it fascinating in terms of of, of how they view time.
1: Oh. Now you've got my mind all wandering.
0: Oh, it should, it should wander. It should wander. Read a little bit about, about time and, and the Chinese language. It's, it's, it's fascinating because for one thing, I mean, they've been speaking Chinese for like 5,000 years. Right. You know, um, the same language. Um, and it's, it's kind of interesting when you think about a, a, a culture that does not, I mean, they denote time, but it's not. It's not the way we do it. It's not the way a Western culture thinks about time or, or writes time or, you know, uses that in their grammar. It's completely different.
1: Fascinating. Which
0: really makes for a different mindset.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Let me put it this way. Chinese play the long game. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> Very good. And, then, <laughs> and on that note, um, <laughs> my next, my next bullet point, uh, uh, also, you you're a photographer. You you produce some of the most beautiful pictures I see. Oh, I see online.
0: Oh, thanks. How did you get
1: into photography?
0: Um, I I bought a camera to take my own headshots. Really? Not even kidding. Not kidding. I it was oh, I don't even know maybe 2006 or something. I I said these people are buying <laughs> buying these digital cameras. What? Well, I, I I bet you I could do this so I, if you didn't have to pay to to have them developed. Do you know, like you're not buying film and you're not having them developed. You go like, I could make a million really bad pictures, but if I make one good one, I, I've, I've paid, I paid my head, I paid for my headshot, mm-hmm. you know? So I got myself a little kit and I went, okay, this is actually better than I thought it was going to be. This is really fun. You know, and I got myself a little, a little, you know, a little, uh, remote, remote control. Ding 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 ding. So oh, that's cute.
1: Have you have you been cast from your own headshot? Sure. Wow, that's great. A lot. Yeah. Most well,
0: I think until the most recent one, I have a I have a picture that someone took of me. Um and he did a great job. Michael Kushner took He just called me up and said, "Hey, Nancy, I want to take your pictures." And I went, "Great." And so he took a really really cute picture of me that I'm now going to use.
1: Nancy, do you, you still alive? I'd like to take your picture. Yeah, are you still alive?
0: <laughs> if you are, <laughs> <laughs> call me back. Call me back. Um, yeah, but he took a great he took several great pictures of me. But there's one that I really really like. It sort of looks like one of those Carol Burnett on a stool kind of a pictures. You know what I? No, you know what I mean. Like right. you know, you just like kind of look cute and sort of quirky, but but you know, relatively attractive. You know that kind of that kind of picture. <laughs> so uh, I like it, and um, so I'm going to use that. But uh, the past. I don't know, ten years, eleven years. I've just taken my own picture.
1: That's great, yeah. yeah. And uh, so then we're we're nearing the end of this episode here. I want you to uh, give the big announcement of what you're working on, what you're about to go into next.
0: Oh, Alan, I okay. I have been gunning for this for several years. Gunning meaning you know calling my manager and going, could could you get me an appointment for that show? Um, and I had not been seen for lo these many years that it's been running on Broadway. Any ideas? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> I am going to be playing Madame Morrible in Wicked. Congratulations. So, thank you. This is, this is their 15th year. They're, they're celebrating their 15th year. And this is my 15th Broadway show.
1: How kismet is that?
0: I, right? Right? I agree with you it really is. And so I'm really I'm really excited about it. I I think it's the the is lovely and the costumes are lovely and and filled to the brim theaters are lovely.
1: <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> a steady paycheck. A steady paycheck is lovely. Goes
0: without saying it's yes. very lovely. Yes. Yeah.
1: So then we've got a couple standard clo- closing questions okay. here, very basic stuff. What motivates you?
0: I think I like having someplace to go, Do you know? I like to see people and I like show people because they they, they really are like no people you know. <laughs> they really are. You know, they're really great people. I feel like my daughter was kind of ruined by, <laughs> by show people because she goes, everybody else is kind of boring. It's yep. really true, you know? I would agree. Because, you know, we... We tend to meet people who, I mean, on, on, on a certain level have, have, have a, have a charisma, you know, I mean, I don't care who you're talking to, somebody, somebody who's a dancer or a singer or an actor or, you know, just an amazing anything. Um, They're interesting people and they tend to be pretty bright and they tend to be pretty like hooked into what's going on in the world. And I love all of that stuff. So, um, so I like having a place to go where I get to hang out with people like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And I also find for the most part that you, that you find a lot of tolerance, kindness, compassion, um, um, encouragement to, to sort of, you know, like do your thing. Um, And I think all those things are great. And I wish that, you know, it sort of happened in more of the rest of the world too.
1: Yeah. What advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path?
0: Um, Don't drop the threads of connection to people. Don't drop the threads. Keep them going. Um, And don't be afraid of that. There is nothing wrong or weird, or creepy, or anything about reaching out to someone. And if they don't want to be reached out to, you'll know that pretty quickly. But for the most part, people do want that. So don't drop the thread. And also don't drop the thread for yourself. Meaning, don't get scared. Just don't get scared. Because someone will say, oh, well, someone said to my, in, 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 right here, in my home, a couple of days ago, she said, oh, Nancy, I'm just... I just get so lazy. I said, "You're not lazy. You're scared. You're scared, and you can't be."
1: Sounds like therapy.
0: Uh, it, it's all therapy. Do you know how many times people cry here? How many? Like for almost. <laughs> yeah. I would I would say a few times a week somebody cries. I'm not not the same person, but you know, what I mean?
1: <laughs> the same person comes it, in and the person Nancy. is me. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> no, I, I mean a lot of people do, and and it and it's really about. If you're if you're kind of doing really good work, a lot of times it's kind of deep work, and a lot of times, like some little thing just kind of like gets opened up, and you go like, "Whoa, I wasn't expecting that." Do you know?
1: Mm-hmm. You have to feel safe.
0: Well, you know, uh, for a little while, I was doing I was doing um like a little weekly thing, and it was absolutely like for free, no pay, no anything. It was just me and some kids at Memphis all getting together, and I'd go like you know what? I know you guys are scared sometimes of like long things of lines to read. And I said, let's do some Shakespeare sonnets. Let's do some Shakespeare stuff. Let's do, let's do some, let's do some Shakespeare monologues, wow. you know? Cause I said, if you feel like you got that, you got all the rest of this, you know, mm-hmm. you got all the rest of this, you know? sequence, sure, I'll sew them on. I mean, you can do any, <laughs> you can do any of that stuff.
1: Out damn spot. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. can do any
0: of that stuff. So, so a lot of, you know, during that time, I had such an interesting and sort of eye-opening situation with them. And I think they did too, you know, that they would go like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I wasn't expecting to like get there. I mean, I wasn't trying to, and it just sort of happened, hmm. you know? And so I, that kind of stuff I really, really love. Um, I love to try to make someone feel like they can do it. That's, uh, that to me is a, a goal in my life, is to make people feel like, you know what? I can do this. You know, yeah. I can do this. And like I, the, the young lady I was talking to the other day, I just said, you absolutely cannot stop just don't stop, you know, and I know that it's, that it's frustrating sometimes because you go like, I feel like I'm just sort of like, sort of just like pressing my nose at the glass, you know, and trying to like see in. And you go, but you have to, that's, that's just what it is. Mm-hmm. That's just what it is. And if you get the foot in the door, then you get the foot in the door. But giving up isn't almost it's almost never about laziness. It's almost always about being scared,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know? And, and you just have to, like, she'd given me so many examples of people who had reached out to her, you know, said here, you know, maybe you could blah, 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 blah. Maybe you could do that. Send me a this, send me a that. And I go, have you done this? Do you know? And I'm like, no, mm-hmm, because whatever. I said, mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
1: no. <laughs> no,
0: because, no, because, no, you just do it. Mm-hmm you know? And, um, because basically how to do it right is to just do it simple. And you just go like, you get up and you go, just don't think about that. Don't think about that thing. Because sometimes, you know, sometimes there are some, some performers who get ahead and do rather well for themselves and they're kind of not that smart. And in a way that was a great thing because they just go like, I go, I go, I go, I go, you know, I'm going to get up and go. And they're not, so they don't sort of talk themselves out of things. They just kind of like go full steam ahead, Mm -hmm. which sometimes is not a bad thing. And I said, sometimes you just, you just have to, don't stop for anything.
1: Yep. If you could only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want.
0: Oh, man. Which
1: show would you see?
0: Oh, man.
1: Oh. Oh. The look of anguish on your face. No, there
0: is a real <laughs> look of anguish because there's so many shows that that have things about them that you go, it's, it's the visual of that. That is l- amazing. Whatever it might be, you know, like, like an amazing visual thing that you see and you go like, ah, oh, that is spectacular. Um, and sometimes it's something else, you know. To be perfectly honest with you, when I went to see Hamilton, I thought, oh, yeah, come on, prove it to me. Really? Really? Is it going to be that? Yeah, it is that good. Yep. Yeah. You know? The the same way. You know, I was just like, oh, sure. Oh, my God. Oh, I cannot even believe I'm watching this. To me, it was just like the door opened and suddenly we were driving 175 miles an hour in a really hot car. You know, I mean, that's what it felt like. It felt like the whole thing was just and I was pasted against the wall until it was over, mm-hmm. you know. So could I watch that over and over again? I probably could. I could be in Town over and over and over again yeah. for the rest of my life.
1: Yeah, that was a great show. Because that's how
0: much I loved it. I loved doing it. I thought it was an amazing show. And I think it's really, 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 really pertinent, shall we say, as we melt, mm-hmm. as, as the world melts around us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, very good. Yeah. Um, so online, people can reach you via nancyopal.com. Yes. Oh, I better do something about that. Yeah. I better revamp that. That's just. That How else can they find you, you at Twitter, right? Are, are you an actor? I'm
0: kind of, kind of. I'm, I'm a phlegmatic <laughs> Twitterer.
1: At Nancy Opal. Yeah.
0: I'm, I'm yep. slightly better. I'm slightly better on Instagram. I think, I, I think I'm Nancy Opal on Instagram. I
1: think think so yeah I think so alright well we'll go with that yeah well cool well thank you thank so you. much thank you it was really
0: fun yeah
1: this was great uh, of course this has been uh, the theater podcast you can connect with me at theater underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter even uh, send some feedback through feedback at the and of course a big thank you to jukebox the ghost for the music that you hear probably playing under me right now thank you so much
0: Uh bye
1: Let's make the world a little colorful. Hey, it's Leslie Udom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the Rise Theater Directory, a program of Maestro Music. Rise is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work,